one. Boom! There it is. We got a beautiful Monday morning. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm excited because today we're going to talk about something that we just haven't talked about a ton. And this is going to try and fill that gap between spirituality, religion, and polyamory. Let's dive in. Let's have some fun. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right. Welcome, 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 everybody, to this beautiful Monday. Before we jump in and chat with today's guest, I want to quickly remind everybody to please follow the show everywhere that you possibly can, all over social media, uh, especially on Facebook and Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Uh, you can find us everywhere at Practicing Poly A. Uh, following and sharing the content is an easy, free way to support the show. So I uh, would love if you do that. And speaking of free ways to support the show. The best way, the absolute best way for you to support the show is to share it far and wide. Encourage all the poly folks you know to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is you download the podcast. My goal is to get to 40,000 subscribers. I know that I can get there with your help. So please, if you find value in what we're doing here, share it with your polycule, share it with your friends, and especially share it in your poly Facebook groups and all over the interwebs. Lastly, and as always, I want to remind you that if you are listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. You know what? I'm going to start throwing this in here right now. Uh, I'm actually ending season one, October 31st. I'm almost all booked out already. So uh, as of October 31st, I'm going to cut it and uh, we'll do season two in 2022. But uh, if you are actively polyam, polyam curious or professional serving the polyamorous community, I want to hear your story. You're a welcome guest to be on the show. If you are disabled, BIPOC, pan, bi, demi, gay, straight, sex worker, kinkster, queer, lesbian, trans, NB, arrow, ace, whatever it is, we want to hear your stories. The more stories we hear, the more the world learns about us. The more representation we have, the better we can serve our community. So go to Practicing Polyamory. Sign up today. All right. That was a little bit longer than usual. That's my spiel. We're going to get into the best part, which is introducing today's awesome guest, our guest today is a powerful truth speaker, preacher lady, podcaster, and spiritual coach who provides a guiding light to those wanting to level up, move mountains, and get out of the way of their own personal growth and transformation. Our guest identifies as polyamorous and mostly relationship anarchist. She's ordained in the new thought tradition. Her aim is to take those teachings outside of the church walls and create inclusive, body positive, spiritual spaces beyond normative definitions. As a spiritual coach and leader, she celebrates diversity within community, relationship styles, and family models. And as a woman of color who is differently abled, she speaks about the practices of being spiritual but not religious, living empowered and meaningful lives, and loving in an authentic way. We have got a lot to explore, so let's jump right in. Joining us today out of New Mexico, host of the Poly Priestess podcast, welcome to the show, Reverend. Amanda Ganley. <laughs> Amanda, Reverend Amanda, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Uh, as I was getting through that whole thing, I kind of caught myself uh, as I'm as I'm reading. You know, if you're disabled, BIPOC, et cetera, et cetera, and 
I just want to quickly ask you that word disabled. Should I be changing that to differently abled? No, um, in all honesty, I think in disability community, they would prefer um, to hear disabled and, and everyone's really comfortable with that. I, okay. I tend to say that just because it's what I'm most comfortable with um, and because I, I just recognize that my abilities are different. And that's that's why I say it that way. But it's a totally a personal choice for me. So thank you for asking, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, I try to be inclusive in the language that I use. I try to, you know, uh, get people, I, I, I want to make sure that I'm using the language that people prefer. You know, it's, it's obviously especially important with uh, pronouns and all that good stuff. So, um, you know, same type of thing. But anyway, um, a polyam priestess. How do you like that? This is, this is a new one. Um, tell me a little bit about your, your, religious spiritual journey uh how you got to polyam and really what i'm most interested in and we'll kind of get to it is how you marry those two okay cool so yeah start with I, the journey let's start with the journey let's start with the with the origin story that's what yeah I like. yeah you made me sound like a superhero so let's go there i mean <laughs> yeah. i'm well, not wrong <laughs> um yeah the origin story was you know at, at some point i felt a, a call to ministry and, and the spiritual community that I was in. And it's really, you know, non-denominational in a lot of ways and very open and loving and welcoming. And so kind of being raised as a minister in that tradition, I was, you know, in my 30s when I found this path. But, you know, I came into my being and I came into an experience of what I feel like is authenticity within the context of my spiritual journey. And I feel like those two are already kind of really attached and married to one another in my experience. For me, you know, understanding who I am and who I've come here to be and then feeling really comfortable in that and in my skin and in my body and expressing who I am and who I've come here to be is how I express my love and appreciation to my higher power. Um, it's how I feel more connected spiritually. And mm -hmm. that's, that's really what I talk about is, you know, empowering people to do that same thing is that when we are really on this path to finding ourselves, that path of finding ourselves leads us to our higher power. It leads us to what we're doing here, what we've come here to be and how we love the world, because that's unique for each one of us. And when we can really step into how we love the world and how we, you know, experience life and it suits us and, you know, we have we are so overwhelmed with this unconditional love that we are giving that gift to the world. And so I think because I keep talking about love, you can hear how polyamory <laughs> kind of grew out of that for me. Yeah. It was a natural evolution to just be able to hold space and to be with people and to understand, you know, the the depth and the joy and um, the privilege that it is to be connected with people in an intimate way. And when we talk about that in our romantic relationships, as well as other relationships, we can understand how that doesn't have to be designated for just one person. And in my experience, it wasn't designated for just one person. Mm -hmm. So that growing into into Polly was also growing into my authenticity and in my spiritual practice. And it all just sort of rolled out in this big ball, I guess. And, um, and so then when I got on stages, it became really clear to me that 
that part of my really personal part of the spiritual journey was something that not only was I being asked to share, but it was kind of my responsibility to say, hey, look, this is my experience. And I don't want to hide parts of it from people because I think it's going to make them feel uncomfortable. This is really who I am and who I've come here to be and what I want to talk about. And so that's what I do. And, and uh, I can't speak enough praises for the community and the people who surrounded me when I did that. Mm -hmm. because there was just so much love and support present. And I also know that that's a gift that not many ethical non-monogamous folks or people who have felt like they've had to come out of some sort of closet have, have necessarily been embraced with. So I also just love to seeing their praises and to tell that part of the story because it's so community is so important and the ways that we support one another and love one another up on these journeys to becoming authentic and the true representation of ourselves is just as important as doing that work for ourselves. 100% agree with you. Give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. There he is. He's giving it a 10. <laughs> it's absolutely true. One of the things that you said, uh, you know, that's standing out is community. And so, uh, you know, when, when I first saw your name, I was like, Reverend, Reverend. Okay, like this is going to be, we're going to be talking about, you know, all of these different uh, beliefs that we were brought up with and the the church congregations and all of these things that you know kind of tend to shun us now uh, in a in a large general sense but community is so important so uh, I wanted to kind of ask you about where you find uh, the intersection intersectional community there between spirituality and polyamory yeah. I, what I think is a really interesting intersection that we have that we don't necessarily talk about even when we're talking about polyamory is we when we enter into doing a non-traditional relationship structure, we enter into examining all of the things that society has told us about everything, right? Not just about, you know, romance and getting married and how important it is to be, you know, just two people, which society has been shelling out on us for a very long time. But it's also the way that you know, society talks about our sexuality and talks about pleasure and talks, you know, we are defined within these constraints. And when, you know, I don't know about you, but <laughs> when we enter into polyamory, we sort of have to investigate all of those things mm -hmm. that society has told us about those things. And again, spirituality for me was that. It was also examining all of the ways that religion has impacted not only my life, but the life of people that I work with, because we've all got stories to tell about feeling oppressed or feeling unwelcome or, you know, just sort of what the judgments were around a religious structure when we were growing up. And when we're entering into a really meaningful spiritual practice for ourselves, we also have to take that deep dive into what it is religion and something outside of me has taught me and then bring it back and say, well, where does that interact with my inner wisdom? What do I know to be true about myself? What do I know to be true about my relationship with my higher power, whether we call it God or spirit, the divine? And what I know to be true about my relationship with my higher power might not necessarily have been the things that I was taught in catechism when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So I had to reconcile those things. And, and I think that that's part of how polyamory and spirituality started to marry very well for me because it was all of these places where I was having to look at what has the world told me is true about me and versus what do I know is really true about me and what I would I have come here to do and the ways that I've come here to love the world and does someone outside of me, whether it be an organization or another person or anything, get to determine what that experience is? And the answer is no. 
And, and the way that I love to hold space for people is to know that I'm not the one who decides that for you. Even if I am the one who says poly priestess, if I'm the one who has reverend in front of my name, I still don't actually have the right to determine for you, for your listeners, for anyone else, what that relationship is with their higher power. But what I can do is support them in their growth of that and provide people with tools to connect with spirit in ways that might be more meaningful for them than that traditional religious experience that they've had in the past did. What are some of the ways that you are supporting people who come to you that are looking for this spiritual support? I'm not entirely sure of just what that means. It, does it mean, uh, you know, when when I think of of spiritual support or or, or religion with polyamory, uh, my experience was, you know, I grew up in a religious household. And so a lot of those teachings had to be let go. I had to unlearn all that stuff and, you know, come into something new. So that, that was, you know, my experience, I didn't get a coach. I didn't talk to anybody about it other than my partners, you know, and we just kind of figured it out, uh, as we went, but what are some things that people come to you asking for help with? Yeah, I think for most of my clients tend to come to me when they are looking for a personal, like a powerful, large transformation. And that's just kind of the folks that have been finding me from the beginning. And so um, and knowing that I'm polyamorous and, and poly friendly and I actually what I talk about is relationship diversity. So so it's not necessarily that I have geared my whole practice towards polyamory or, or people who are outside of the box, but talking about relationship diversity, which means honoring everyone's um, true relationship style, because I don't know that. Well, I absolutely know that no one is superior to the other. Mm -hmm. And I also know that we all need to be supported in whatever sort of relationships that we want to explore. And that relationship does extend to our higher power. And it doesn't matter what labels we put on ourselves. We all sort of are working to reconcile our space in the world and the way that we interact with life and the way that we interact with, with people in our lives. And most of us, most of the time, want to make the best of that. We want to make the most of that. We want those connections to be rich and loving and to honor the diversity in the people around us. And the best way to do that is, first of all, to understand ourselves. And then when we are able to take that understanding, we can create a space that's more open to understand others. And, and I feel like I'm really capable of, of understanding others and where they're coming from and providing a space for them to grow and to learn and to start practicing relationship and connections and whatever relationship they have with their higher power in a more meaningful way. And to be really conscious and aware and, and bring some mindfulness practices to those things, because that's how we become more aware. That's how when we say we want to be more present in our relationships, we have to build up some tools and put them in our arsenal, put them in our toolbox so that we really, truly can be more present in our relationships. If someone comes to me and says, I want deeper connections, then that's what we do is we talk about how they feel more connected to life and to spirit. And then how can we bring that into our relationships? Mm. We can give them some tools, how to consciously bring that awareness to their daily lives, to their relationships and to whatever, you know, other connections that they have that they want to be fostering growth in. So, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious about like the, the way that, polyamory shakes out like in your life uh you know like what are, 
as you're as you're talking, I'm listening and I'm hearing uh, a lot of like connection with nature and with spirit and you know with with uh, you know just like the force almost right. I mean, not to not to you know. <laughs> Yeah, and not not to insult you in any way, but like all of this this connection with all of these other things, and I'm curious. Like, I just want to hear like a personal story from you of just kind of how your relationships uh, tend to go. How how spirituality affects you in your relationships? You, you mean other than being that weird spiritual lady with like you know an altar in my house and and men panicking the instant they come no um. <laughs> <laughs> you don't take a lock of hair from them right <laughs> I'm not, you know doing spells or anything um i i do think that uh it tends to to i don't want to say alarm people but it i am really clear about who i am and so i do bring that to the table and i think that um that can be unsettling for people in any context so i think mm -hmm. that tends to play out a little bit in relationship but um, in terms of like my longest term relationship, so I, I entered into polyamory through the context of what was a previously monogamous marriage. So we've been together for 15 years and we're monogamous for the first eight of that. And, um, and I think, especially from his point of view, this was a natural sort of progression. This was, you know, me stepping into my authenticity and me speaking my truth and being really clear about what I want and what I need. And, and this was just the next sort of progression. And, and I think that that's been a really beautiful thing because I think about ministry and I think about life in that same way. We, we watch it progress, we watch it grow. And the more that we want to hold on to something and make it stay exactly what we've always wanted it to be, and we don't mm -hmm. let it grow and move, you know, we are, we're choking the life out of it. But if right. we can actually be with someone as they grow and they transform, and we can bring that understanding into all of our relationships, we can learn what that means with a whole bunch of people, if that's what we want to do, if we have two partners or five partners, then when we are holding space for these people in a really conscious way, because we love them, because we care about them, then we can watch them grow and transform. And, and I, and for me, that's really what polyamory was about. It was being able to hold space for the people that I love and to be able to love them, not mm -hmm. necessarily like if letting someone go, then is the next thing and that's what we do but if what we're doing is holding space for someone to grow and to be present in the truth of who they are and to love them then then that's really what polyamory has been about for me and it's really been about that in our relationship as well as we've watched each other turn into not at all the people that we were 15 years <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and love each other in that process and and to love the way that we're loved in all of the aspects of our life, right? So to see my nephew running up to him and lovingly embrace him and and to see other partners lovingly embrace us and to hold that space for one another. Um, I, I think that answers your question. Like that's kind of what that experience has been like for me over the last several years. Yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of that story um, or that whatever. Right? If you love a flower, you don't go and you pluck it. Right. You water it, you give it sunshine, you give it all the things so that it can grow into the most beautiful blooming flower possible. Right. Like that's that was basically almost like the message that I was getting from from uh, from your story. Yeah. So and we, have was, we do that in so many avenues of life. Right. Like we do that for our kids. We can watch, mm -hmm. you know, 
bring water their growth. We can bring them into their blossoming and we can really enjoy that. And so when we understand we can water someone's growth in the context of romantic love and, and facilitate that and be with that, then, then we're doing, we're loving it in this, you know, in the way that the force loves us. To use <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm a song. It's certainly more enjoyable than my average day. <laughs> I'm just a big Star Wars nerd. Don't mind me. Um, but it's 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 cool. I love the way that uh that it, it shows up in your life. Now, did you ever have any any struggles? Like you grew up you mentioned the catechism that's uh Catholic, if I'm right. So did you struggle with you know the things that you were taught in Catholic school or whatever early on and then uh, transitioning to polyamory, did did you have any? What what were your struggles there with your connection to your higher power at that time? Yeah, I think because um, polyamory was—I don't want to call it a side effect, but it really was part of a new spiritual journey for me. A lot of that, like Catholic guilt, was way out of my system by then. So, okay, um, I think that what I what I had to reconcile around like religious faith from the beginning is. Um, I, I'm actually in Los Angeles, but I did grow up in New Mexico. And mm -hmm. so, sort and I w began my ministry in New Mexico. So there's a lot of sort of traditional beliefs that you bump up against when you're exploring a different spirituality. And so I think that I did a lot of that exploration in that context of just like, you know, like I said, the world outside of me tells me this thing about God. The world outside of me tells me these things about my body, tells me that sex and God are separate things for some reason, that the place where we have the most pleasure is somehow disconnected from the, <laughs> love us the most, right? And that doesn't, didn't reconcile, still doesn't reconcile. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm experiencing pleasure through my body, through my sexuality, then there's absolutely no way that my higher power would not want me to be experiencing that pleasure mm -hmm. and that joy and that kind of love that we're talking about. And so, so understanding that about, you know, about spirit for me, about divine grace was, was that, that the divine grace is in all of these things. And there's no way that it's not in an exploration of who I am and what I've come here to do. And, and so once I understood that, that's really where, that connection started to, to come in for me. So yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I know that a lot of people are coming from really traditional religious beliefs. And then when they step out of that box, it's like, okay, this is what all of the people who love me are going to tell me is wrong with this situation. And because they don't want me to go to hell, they don't want me to, you know, suffer whatever consequence it is that's been, you know, basically systemically designed to keep mm -hmm. us <laughs> we can understand that you know that comes from people's good intentions right. and i have, you know there are a lot of places where in my childhood you know being differently abled and and also being you know in a parochial school i understood that people who loved me were trying to keep me safe from things that frightened them and and what i would invite us to do is to open our hearts and our minds to curiosity because that's actually where we are creating a space to love something is when we're open and when we're curious and when we're learning about it. So when we've decided that God is this thing and it's only this thing and it doesn't budge, then it's not really creating much space for like love to go in between those spaces because it's mm -hmm. this really hard thing that doesn't move. But when we understand that spirit is just as loving as we are, just as understanding as we are, just as open and curious about us as we are about all of the things that we love in our lives, then we can interact with it in, in that way and figure out what faith 
and what beliefs are right for us in our exploration. And I've been saying it, Miguel. I've been saying it. Nailed it. Nailed it. That was it. Um, I I was I was listening to you and you were talking about that connection with your body, getting pleasure from your body and how like it's almost like how can that be wrong? Right. The the, the way that you said it was uh, the place where I experience the most pleasure and the place where I uh, have the most love. Like how can how can that be um, how can that be wrong? Right. That, that, that was such a good uh, explanation. And I, I imagine that people come to you maybe because they are struggling with that. What 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 do you tell them? What do you help people with if they're if they're having this disconnection, this um, I don't know, lack of understanding, I guess, that it's OK to love yourself. It's OK to love your body. It's OK to love people and to get pleasure from all these different things what just smile and wave boys smile and wave smile and wave smile and wave yeah when when all else fails but uh, i actually think that there are a lot of really powerful ways to to connect with that because we do most of us don't even look at it in that framework of like the place that where i'm loved the most and the place where i experience pleasure and we've decided that that is sort of constrained to romantic relationships. If we've chosen monogamy, we've decided it's constrained though to that monogamous relationship or to however many like partners we're with at that time in polyamory. And and man, in the world that we've grown up in, right? And in this society, we have been taught over and over again, not only um, is our pleasure wrong, but if our bodies are less than perfect, then, then there's really something going mm. on. And we don't deserve to have those things, right? We have allowed the world outside of us to come along and tell us that we don't have access to these things and that they only come through a connection with another person, that they only come through reading all of the self-help books and making ourselves the best version of who we have come here to be. And let me just say that you've not heard me say authenticity is about becoming the best version of who we've come here to be. It's about being the truest version of who we've come here to be. And what I liked about your introduction about polyamory is like the truest version of us is probably just as sloppy as the not so great version yes. of us. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> We're all human. We're all imperfect humans. Yeah. We all have our foibles. We all have the, these things things from life before we met one another that we're working through all of the time and we bring them to the table. We all come with baggage. It's how we handle the baggage that we can, you know, form meaningful connections with one another and be together and work through things together. So when we're also talking about loving our bodies, it's just that we've all come with some baggage. We've all mm -hmm. had some tia somewhere in the back room saying not so very nice things about the way that we look. We've all had some religious experience where our pleasure, we're talking about something like orgasm at church or, you know, around anyone who we go to church with would not be allowed. Um, mm -hmm. And so when we can sort of come back to ourselves and know it's true for us and understand how important pleasure is and how, you know, we don't call it like a sexual awakening because it doesn't have an impact on us. Like we've all had some sort of like understanding about our sexuality and stepping into that and how meaningful that has been for us. And I don't think that that's a mistake. I don't think that it's disconnected from God in any way. I think that it was right there with us. And so creating a space where we can talk about how God is right there with us. And, and I love to talk to 
you know, not surprisingly, it's women who are uncomfortable loving the skin that they're in and loving the bodies mm -hmm. that they're in because we've all seen diet culture. We've all watched it unfold and tell mm -hmm. us that something not okay with us when we're wearing a certain dress size or when our body doesn't look like someone on a screen somewhere. And, um, and I think that that's hugely important work because not only is it important for me to be comfortable in my skin just so that I can live a life that I feel comfortable in, it's important to my higher power that I am comfortable, that I am loving myself, that I am loving my life. And then when I can bring that to my relationships, when I can just be so unabashedly comfortable with who I am, who I've come here to be, then the other person in the room also gets to do the same thing. They get to be unabashedly comfortable in who they are and who they've come here to be. Hmm. And at the end of the day, that's what we all want, right? We all want to find those places where we just get to like exhale and relax and be the truth of who we are and to share that space with, with one another, to share that space with someone and to share that air is, is deeply meaningful. And again, not without the presence of spirit. And if that happens also in the presence of orgasms, then I'm all for it. <laughs> oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing you, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, authenticity and vulnerability. Uh, these are these are traits that uh, make people bring people's guards down. Makes them uh, more. Uh, it makes it easier for them to have these deep conversations and these deep connections. And from what it sounds like, please tell me if, if I'm hearing you right, that authenticity and that vulnerability really comes from a strong connection with that higher power and knowing not, I'm trying to think of, it's not, not who I'm supposed to be, but who, who I want to be, who like the truest part of myself wants to be. Well, and I would say they're the same. I would say that who you're supposed to be and who you want to be, what you're blossoming, like if we're talking about blossoming, like to keep using that metaphor, like, you know, we're not picking the flower, we're watching it blossom. And we also have to cultivate our own ground. We also have to cultivate the world around us and who we are so that we can blossom. It's not just about those, you know, blossoming outside of ourselves and the person across the table, but for me and, and my, so this is a very personal answer, but for me, that's really what that is, is that blossoming in me, that authenticity, that stepping into the truth of who I am and, and trusting my, my own connection with God. And I call it a divine inner knowing. Like when I trust hmm. that the highest part of myself is connected with the highest part of all of life around me, then I trust in something that is my faith. And, and then I can watch that unfold everywhere, including in my relationships with other people. I love it. I love it. It's perfect. It makes it makes so much sense. Um, Amanda, the last uh, couple of things I want to ask you here. Uh, first of all, is there anything that I missed? Is there anything that you wish that I had asked or uh, just maybe any final thoughts that you want to leave with the audience? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that you missed anything. Um, <laughs> you know, I've looked at so much in the last couple of years, the intersections that I occupy and I don't know that I always am able to touch on them in every conversation. So just understanding, you know, that I'm, you know, femme and um, differently abled and I show up in the world in a different body and recognizing, you know, that telling the world that I'm polyamorous and what that experience has been like and to just sort of have that reverberate and 
and almost validate for me what my experience has been with my higher power has just been really awesome. And I love to be able to share that experience with people like you and your listeners. And I, and I also just love to create that those spaces that are safe for other people to start to do that work, which is um, which is kind of, you know, just what I'm here talking about, like what I do in my work with people. And, and I just can't get over like the honor of, of that to be able to be in space with people as they grow and transform and, and begin to love their lives or love their lives more deeply than they did when I met them. So um, nice. To share. <laughs> and, and speaking of which, if people wanted to work with you, if, uh, maybe I hire you to help them create one of those spaces. Um, how can people get in touch with you, especially for our listening audience? Sure. Um, uh, www.amandaganley.com is probably the fastest way. And there's information on there about ceremonials, uh, which are, you know, just a lot of fun. And I would love to meet more people who are in polyamorous relationships who want to honor those connections with a ceremonial that doesn't necessarily nice. look like the traditional monogamous wedding, but suits you and suits the people that you love and your lifestyle. And, and I just love the idea of that. And again, whatever someone's relationship structure is, there are tools to deepen in those connections. There are tools if we want to be just having a better relationship with life. Like if we just want to be experiencing the world around us and the way that we interact with it in a more meaningful way and to start stepping into those practices, then, then I love to offer spaces to do that as well. And I do speak to larger communities, spiritual communities, and, uh, and I do have, you know, my season of the Poly Priestess podcast up as well. So you can find information about that at polypriestess.com. Perfect. Uh, and also on Instagram uh, at poly underscore priestess. Yes. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. It really has been a, a blast. It's been enlightening. Um, got some good takeaways on this one. Got some good takeaways on this one. Um <laughs> Just wanted to say thank you for, for hanging out with me and spending some time with me today. It's been my 